Fundraising everywhere. 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 Hello, hello. Welcome to the Fundraising Everywhere podcast. Over the next few episodes, we're taking a look at some of our favourite grants and major donor on-demand sessions in celebration of our Grants and Major Donors Conference on the 14th of December. If you'd like to join us at the conference, you can use the promo code FEPODCAST to get 50% off. Yep, just pop in FEPODCAST at checkout to get 50% off Grants and Major Donor Conference in December via our website. Now, without further ado, on to today's episode. So the first session over here on the major donor track today is the brilliant Louise Morris. She's going to be talking about the psychology of asking for major gifts with confidence. Louise is wonderful. Her newsletter is one of the ones I read diligently as soon as it comes in. Um, because the tips she shares around major donor fundraising are just absolutely spot on. So delighted that she's going to be opening this track. Uh, so without further ado, let's throw over to Louise. Thanks, David. And thanks, everyone, for joining. Has anybody worked in the private sector? If you have uh, maybe a weird, wonderful or quite dull industry, go into the chat, let each other know what your story is. Mine is that I used to sell ice cream at Unilever. I worked in sales and marketing at Unilever for a number of years, selling magnums, parcel, all sorts. And when I decided to move to the charity sector to work in major gift fundraising, a lot of my colleagues said, oh, Louise, I think you'll be great because you've got all this sales experience and you're going to be like selling a good feeling. And I thought, "Mm, not really sure about that, but let's see how it goes. When I worked at Unilever, I had to do some really tough negotiations with buyers at Tesco and Asda. And if you imagine um, a set of scales, what I always felt was that the scales were quite balanced in that negotiation. And then when I started working in charities and working with individuals and high net worth individuals, I didn't feel that balance so much. I often felt like I was working for a very small, very important charity doing amazing work. But kind of going with a bit of a begging bowl, maybe I was down here on those scales and these were wealthy, powerful people up here who could make a big difference. Well, today's session is about how that isn't always the case. Yes, there are power dynamics in major donor fundraising and wealth. We're aware of that. But I've worked with over 200 charities and I've trained and coached many more fundraisers and leaders and to help them get more confidence, raising more, and particularly around these conversations. And what I have also seen from interviewing more than 100 major donors is that giving is so much deeper than that. It is so much deeper than that. I have spoken to a major donor who is giving to a hospice in memory of his late wife, and I asked his story. Any of you who have received hospice care will be really familiar with the feedback he gave. His wife and him had been married for over 30 years. The care she got was incredible. They didn't have children. He didn't have many family members. And when she died, he said he felt completely lost. He started to volunteer at the hospice and he knew some of the people there. 
He and they, he, they recognized him from when he was visiting his wife. He gave a smaller gift, smaller for him, a four-figure gift. And then a year later, he gave a six-figure gift to the hospice. And the hospice were also in his will. And when I asked him, apart from, you know, the memory of his late wife, kind of what, what did the hospice mean to him? He talked about his wife a lot, but I was keen to get kind of beyond that. Like, how involved was he still now? He said to me, well, they're my family now. And I found it a really moving moment. Your cause does not have to be related to bereavement or end of life care to have a really deep connection and potential connection with major donors. I've spoken to a major donor of a human rights organisation and the charity weren't really sure why he'd started to give. So I asked him, you know, what prompted you to start giving? What's your interest in this work? And he started talking about his family, his parents, how they'd, how they'd come over to Britain on the kinder transport during the war. Fascinating, fascinating stories. Why am I telling you this? <laughs> um, anecdotally, we've always known that major donors can get a huge amount from their giving. There's also a growing... Um, body of research led particularly by Professor Jen Shang. If you don't know her work, uh, if you get the chance to hear her speak, she's incredible. That giving is good for our well-being at all levels and also including major donors. Why is it good? Well, giving gives us that autonomy, that independence to take action. And that's exactly the same with major donors. They are able to take an action that's going to make a difference to something they care about, that's potentially going to transform some of society's challenges. Um, connectedness. When we feel connected either to the planet, to those um, we're trying to support and to help, that's really powerful. That's another reason it's good for well-being. And in psychological terms, there's also competence. What does that mean? Well, actually, it's working. The money that major donors are giving or that you're giving is actually making a difference. It's actually working. And the reason I'm talking about this is because we often forget that. And I've forgotten that when I've been in major donor roles and when I've been going with my kind of felt like very humble Louise and my small charity going to somebody that giving is really good for them. <laughs> giving fills a huge, often hole in people's lives. You have given your jobs, your careers, a lot of your time to amazing causes or an amazing cause to make a really, really big difference. Not everybody does that through their work. And we often forget that. So Balance is really important. You have balance when you are having conversations. And I'm going to get, run through a few tips. And you might be doing some of this anyway, but my hope is that maybe there's one or two things in this short session that you might be able to put into practice in your roles that might make you feel that little bit more confident when you're having those conversations with major donors and potential major donors. So, Number one, the big ask. Certainly, I've been in fundraising for 15 years. This is what I was trained in. It's the big ask conversation. No. Tip number one is it's not a big ask. It is an extension of a conversation. I was working in a top 10 national charity, and this was before COVID, and working on a big open plan kind of office, lots of us there. 
And we had a very important meeting that day, what felt like a really kind of, oh my gosh, meeting. Because we were meeting a very high profile entrepreneur, um, very wealthy, high net worth individual. His son had been involved with the charity for a while through a personal connection. And he'd done a bit of pro bono and got a bit involved, but he's like, I want you to come and meet dad. And we knew that dad had the ability to really give quite a lot if dad wanted to. So I remember walking across this open plan office and everybody going to me and my director, oh, you know, so exciting, bring back a big gift, Um, make sure you get loads of money, Um, hope that he writes a big check. This was a while ago, checks were still being written. Um, And the thing about that is not only is it a huge amount of pressure on you for one moment in time, But this was actually the first time we'd met dad. And asking is never, ever the beginning of a relationship. If you don't know what's driving somebody, if you don't know their background, like that human um, rights supporter that his parents were brought over on the kinder transport, if you don't know any of that, you're not in a position to actually have the conversation. And I talk a lot in my training and in my coaching around curiosity conversations. How can we be curious? So it's not only one moment in time and it's not now or never. There's a real tendency that we do in charities that we think they might be really short on time. They're important. They're busy. I'm going to pitch. I'm going to dragon's den it, so to speak. Um, And um, for those of you who've watched the programs, dragon's den, you have a very, very short amount of time to pitch your business idea. And that's sometimes along the line of what we can do. It's not enjoyable. Yes, of course, you can be armed if somebody wants to know about your charity But if you haven't gone through the curiosity piece, you're really going to struggle actually asking with confidence. There was a fundraiser I was coaching who's working really well with um, her chairman. And her chairman had introduced somebody and managed to secure a meeting with a high net worth individual who knew the charity a little bit. And the chairman said, you know, they're ready to be asked. And the fundraiser actually said, you know, I don't know how much we really know. How well do you know this person? I don't know how much we really know about them. Can we spend some time in the meeting, actually, being a bit curious, getting to know them, asking some questions? And the chairman was like, well, I don't really sure. No, I'm not sure. I think they're really expecting to just kind of, you know, be asked. Otherwise, they wouldn't have accepted the meeting. Anyway, they kind of managed a bit of a compromise. Through being open and being curious, the fundraiser found out that the potential donor had a really deep connection to the charity and his son 20 years before had been cared for by the charity it was a hospital charity the chairman didn't know this she hadn't known it so what happened well they then went on a tour as a next step a couple of months later of the actual hospital so he could see the difference from when his son had been treated there and the conversation the big ask happened on that tour it wasn't across the desk it was a conversation around how would you like to get involved? Would you consider um, giving to make a difference to all of these children? So some practical steps, maybe for you to think about in your roles if you're not already doing it. Um, Yes, go into meetings being armed. If somebody says, if a major donor says to you, so how can I help? What do you need? Yes, have the kind of facts and stats there, but don't go straight in with the money if you haven't already got a relationship and you haven't spoken to them before. Second tip, 
be prepared to have some conversations internally practical step you can do for those who really want to push the money there's an amazing philanthropist called lisa gray who's written a book called philanthropy revolution and she talks about the money grabbing nature of nonprofits, unfortunately and how they don't seem to care where she wants to give they just want the money straight away if you have a chairman if you have a ceo that's like we're going to go and ask be that voice that says can we find out more first that's how it's going to work best can you be that voice and practical step as well Thanking and clarifying in those conversations can really help you to have that confidence. What do I mean? Well, a lot of people you're going to be speaking to will have been involved in some way. They might have given a smaller gift. Maybe they came to an event. Maybe they volunteer. So thanking them for that, thanking them for their time and clarifying. So thank you for all the support you've given that is transforming the lives of our young people, you know, of young people across the country. Thank you. You seem really interested in the plans we've got next year to expand further and help even more young people you will get a lot back from that you will either get a very effusive yes yes or yeah yeah yeah, I am I'm also maybe involved in a couple of other charities so thanking clarify can really help so this is the first area treat it like a conversation not that one big ask and that only that one moment in time the second is a mindset shift and is the title really of this session. We know through research, through science and anecdotally that giving is really good for people and giving large amounts of money can be hugely transformational for people's lives personally as well as for those you're serving. How can you think about that differently? How can you reframe that so the scales are balanced so you're not going cap in hand? And one of the terms that seems to resonate a lot with people I work is offering. You're offering someone the chance to get involved. You're not just taking, you're giving them the opportunity. They can't do that without you as a cause. You may have other charities in a similar space, but if I'm a philanthropist and I want to make a difference to um, wildlife in my area, I've got Wildlife Trust Charity, I've got a few different NGOs, but I can't necessarily make that difference on my own. So know that you're offering someone the chance to give and the chance to get involved. So that's the second one. The first is make sure it's a conversation, not a big ask, and treat it like an extension of the relationship. The second, around that mindset of not just asking and taking, but offering. The third, link to offering. Some people are going to say no, and no is not negative. Offering, you will get offered all kinds of things. You might have been offered to go to a Christmas party tomorrow, but you're already at a work deal or you're already down the pub or you've already agreed to go out with your partner and you have to say no. Sometimes someone will give you the chance to maybe volunteer or get involved and you think, "Mm, actually, I'm not going to. At the heart, either consciously or subconsciously, of so many of the challenges around asking is our fear of rejection, that fear of saying no. And when I do training sessions um, in small groups, I always ask, kind of, what's your worst fear? What, In terms of asking for someone's support, giving them the chance to give, what's your worst fear? And without fail, always at the top is ruining the relationship, wrecking it. Will they already give their time? If I ask them to give financially, that feels greedy. Um, I hear that a lot. But remember, one of the tenets of why giving is good for major donors and for us is that autonomy, that opportunity to make that choice to give. So let's give people that opportunity. 
And some people will say no. I coached a fundraiser at a small a music charity and he had a meeting coming up that he was quite apprehensive about. It was the first year of lockdown, huge financial pressure on him and the charity. And these this donor couple had given £20,000 every summer for the last few years. And he was really hoping they'd repeat. He kind of kept them informed. They seemed quite keen. So he had the virtual meeting. And um, they said, we're not we're not going to give um, this summer. We think you're doing amazing work. <sighs> that kind of moment of that kind of pang of rejection. and ugh. But we talked about, in the coaching session, the possible outcomes for that meeting, that actually it might not be a yes. And what he did really well is he stayed curious in the moment of no and said, oh, can you tell me a little bit more about that decision? Long story short, they were investing in a new business venture that they felt was a bit risky because we were in a pandemic, but they really thought was going to do well. But they just didn't have the capital to give to the charity at that moment in time. And the next spring, they gave double the gift. So they gave £40,000 six to eight months later. No is not always negative. No can be no, not now. No, I need to think about it. No, I need to go and speak to somebody else. So one practical tip that might help is if you are going to a meeting and you think you're going to have this conversation, what? just let your mind plan the possible outcomes. It might be no, it might be no, or they're a detail person. I know they're a detail person. So it might be no, I'm going to need a bit more information to make a decision. And think of some open questions, open questions being they don't need yes or no. Tell me a little bit more. Um, I'd love to hear how you made that decision. I'd love to hear a bit more about what you're thinking, because open questions mean you can stay curious rather than get that. Oh, my gosh, they said no. And the fourth area here is dreaming big. And. Oh, gosh, the challenges in our world right now um, from wealth inequalities, um, to, which is ironic because we're talking about major data fundraising. That's a whole session. But there is so much that we can change with more funds. And you are potentially speaking to people who have those means or trying to speak to them. We, you owe it to the people you're serving the planet, whatever your cause, the animals, whatever your cause is doing, we owe it to go bigger and to not necessarily have a set amount in mind or a set um, a set limit in mind of how they might want to be involved. So if you are very motivated, and I know nearly all of you will be, you can earn far more probably in another sector. Um, if you are very motivated, particularly for the people you're serving and the cause you're working for, really think about that, about that transformation that people could have and getting out of our assumptions. There's quite a lot out there that actually wealthy people are all Jeff Bezos or um, <laughs> that there's a lot of negative connotations around wealth. The more major donors you meet, the more conversations you have. I've met people giving seven figure gifts who are incredibly private almost anonymously, didn't want anything in return. And they are having a huge impact. If you have people who are giving £1,000, £2,000 every year and you just wait for that to come in, can you have a conversation with them in advance of that? Uh, I worked with a fundraiser at a large international development charity and she um, was really, uh, really, really stuck. She didn't know kind of how much to ask for with this couple. She knew they had a huge amount of wealth, but she didn't want to go too high, didn't want to go too low. Remember the autonomy, the decision-making, which is why giving is good for people. Let them make the choice. 
we talked through these different projects and I suggested her putting all three projects to this donor couple. The donor couple funded all three. So they went from um, kind of £40,000 donors to £250,000 donors because she gave them that choice. So dream big, think big. If you are offering and keeping things open, you are not going to insult. You don't have to have one figure in mind. It's a conversation, remember. So practically, what might you be able to do? Who can you have conversations with in 2023? Maybe thank them for their previous giving and think about where they're coming from to make sure that conversation is continued. And if you find yourself assuming people are just going to give the same as last year, think about why you're there. Think about those you're serving and the stories. And that might give you that bit of confidence to just open it out a bit. So just to recap on the four areas I've talked about, it's not one moment, one big ask. It's a conversation. Um, and those conversations are really, really key to start that relationship. The second is that to think about this as offering, not taking but offering someone the chance to give to a cause and area they really care about. The third is that some people are going to say no, and that is okay. No is not always a negative. And the fourth and last area um, is dream big. Some of this can be outside of comfort zone, but the more conversations you have, the more joyful it becomes when you're giving people the chance to get involved. Um, David mentioned I'm at Summit Fundraising. If you like these tips and they were helpful, I send free weekly tips out and free events. You can sign up at summitfundraising.co.uk to my weekly e-newsletter. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, Louise. Louise, have you got time to stick around for one question we've had from, from the chat from Stuart? Thank you. Um, so Stuart asks, when it comes to the actual ask, how direct can you be in terms of uh, would you give X amount to XYZ project? So got any tips about, about that? Yeah, who asked the question, David? Uh, this was Stuart. Thank you, Stuart, for the question and a really good one. Well, it, because this is a continuation of a relationship and you will probably have met this person hopefully before, it's going to depend on who you're speaking to. Some people are blunt. You know, some people are quite direct and you can be in the first meeting with somebody and they say, what do you need support for? So um, I think in terms of how direct you're going to be led by that person, a closed question can be really helpful. Stuart, so actually um, one of the phrases I use a lot in training and coaching that people find helpful is, would you consider? So I talk a lot about being curious, finding out more, but actually when it comes to asking, would you consider introducing someone you know to the charity to find out more? Would you consider giving? You don't always have to have an amount. And the example of kind of giving the three projects to that that fundraiser did that I worked with meant that you can really keep it at a range. I think the pressure to prospect research someone to find out that exact amount that they will want to give is always going to be a range. You know, you might get an indication of if they can give 50,000 plus or more like one to 10K, but it's always going to be a range. So I would try and keep that open and maybe have amounts in mind if they want to talk about it or give them options, giving a few options is a really helpful way, either in projects or through a gift table, um, and actually say, this is how much we're, we're looking to raise. These are the gifts we think we might need, because people will self-identify. They will show you and tell you what they want to give. So I would go closed question to be somewhat direct, but keeping the amount open can often be helpful. 
That's really great advice. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing such a wonderful session that's got us off to a flying start here on the major donor track. So really appreciate that. Um, and do make sure you sign up to, to Louise's uh, newsletter because it it's, it's brilliant. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Fundraising Everywhere podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not share it with a fundraising friend? And if you would like to give us a little like or subscribe, it really helps more fundraisers like you find us. Thank you so much. See you next time.